Amber Quinn Cunningham is a photographer based in Alabama whose work deals with family archives and documenting the historical trauma brought on by slavery. In this conversation, we talk deeply about her concepts and how she uses photography as a way to work through the generational and historical trauma of slavery. So I know your work talks a lot about the archive and like the family archive. And that's what I think is so important and special about it and very touching. Like I'm remembering something you posted on your Instagram. Maybe it was a few years ago where you were you had like a family scrapbook, I think, that mm -hmm. you photographed also yeah. or like and it was just like that. I thought the concept was just really cool because black history is not often preserved. I mean, we're talking about James Vandersey mm -hmm. and you're like, you're like, I don't know if, you know, the museums carry everything. So mm -hmm. it's like, tell me more about how you use photography to really capture like a black family archive. So I will say for my personal family archive, there seemed to be like a lot of holes. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't really, whether it was holes as far as like, oh, so-and-so is not in here. Um, why is that? And it's like, oh, well, she was the one taking the pictures. And it's like, okay. But then there's also people that are in the book and I'm like, who, who are these people? And they may not have necessarily been blood relatives, but you know, they had some sort of impact on whoever it was that was preserving those memories. Um, and so I think I became interested in that because I think my family had other ways of preserving our legacy and our history, not just through photographs. Um, so I know I have like a quilt that my mom's mother, wow. so grandma mom's side, um, she made and they were all clothes made from from her childhood my mom and my aunt's childhood um and so i just became really interested in how can i pull all those different materials and things together and figure out a way to kind of express like this lack of history but mm. also like how it's being represented in different items and different materials and so mm. for that picture specifically that you're talking about mm -hmm. it actually wasn't even supposed to be a piece um mm. that was right at the beginning of lockdown okay yeah um, that's so why i remember it so yeah yeah i couldn't go to campus um but they were still expecting us to make work somehow um and <laughs> you know um and so realistically that kind of started off more as a sketch so when i do a sketch a lot of artists that I research, you know, we don't sit down and draw anything. Our sketches might be like going out and taking a walk and taking a picture during a specific time of the day and location scouting and things like that. And so that's kind of how I was thinking about it is again, how can I bring all these different materials together? How can they be documented to represent what I was researching? And so I put them all together really just so I could visually see everything. And then I took a picture and you know, I was bringing those again as sketches to my committee meetings just to kind of get the conversation going. And they ate it up. They loved it. I think that was the best piece in the show. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. everyone, like, I got such positive feedback from that image that you're talking about. But also, I think that was probably the safest image in my show. 
I think it okay. makes everything most comfortable. For okay. Sure. So let's go here then. Um, <laughs> you have this one image of, um, I know you have like these kind of regal, I, I consider them regal interpretations of like, I guess, enslaved uh, women's dress, like dresses. That's what, that's how I interpret it. So it's like, you're, you're like, it's the early kind of like black portraiture, like reference, but it's like your modern, it's still like a modern interpretation of it, but you're still capturing like that style of dress. I just pay attention to the dress and the lighting. The lighting is really good. And then you also have this other photograph of, I think it's your partner with his hand, like, I don't know if it's on your neck or across. There's both. It's very like seductive. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, tell me about these unsafe images that you don't feel like your committee would ate up. <laughs> <laughs> so when I first, how I got into UA, I was really trying to focus on blackness and womanhood, how those two things intertwine and you know specifically black beauty and our standards mm. um, what can, qualifies as uh, beautiful and things like that and i realized very quickly that our conversations were very shallow they were not willing to go deep they were very surface level and they were missing like the bigger picture of what i was trying to say um and so <laughs> my second year it just it got dark and it got dark very heavy mm. very quickly and it, it was a lot to carry around all the time especially what, what do you mean it got dark um because i realized that i had to go deeper into the research mm. and i also had to really really just surround myself with the true nature of what was happening to enslaved women um yeah and you know i almost i would get mad at myself because i would catch myself thinking like so this is why they don't teach us this in school but then i'm also like here i am mid-20s and i'm just now hearing about a lot of this exactly and it's sad it's so sad it's I think very about sad that. i think about it's so that. sad it's sad that i had to you know educate myself on that but also it was really painful to kind of feel like i was doing that alone because you know my entire audience is white the entire faculty is white like you know my the subject matter wasn't just something you can talk about you know amber how's your research going i'm just like do you really want to know because i've been crying about the same three pages in this one chapter for about two weeks wow yeah like it was it was just hard so i mean what what does that image do like I mean, does it does it bring up trauma? Are you trying to work through trauma? Like, tell me about that image more. I think it was it was both because there I, I think that was something that was very important to me to kind of discuss this generational trauma within the black community and how those things are being passed down and then how white people not realizing that they are also enforcing generational trauma. <laughs> really every day. Uh, especially when you're literally spaces that were not originally designed for us yes. they don't realize that some of their legacies and ideals are reinforcing the same racist <laughs> hypocritical bigot as ideals that 
you know, the university slash society was founded on. And so in that image specifically, you know, I was like, I'm not giving you a choice anymore Mm -hmm. to kind of just kind of work around the topics that I'm talking about. And I think I also had to think about how, how can I make it accessible? Because like, even though you're not white, you are a woman, you know, sexual trauma is something that anybody can fear as well. And even men, you know, and also, you know, once you kind of add this idea of how slavery especially black women going through that sexual trauma have been romanticized Mm. and how our bodies have continued to be manipulated and controlled and entertainment for white audience continuously like that that's what i was trying to have conversations about and i was like you are white you are seeing this work you you're seeing me put myself in this very traumatic you know scenario that like Mm -hmm. i myself am having a hard time digesting and i need you to understand that like i am thinking about these things maybe not necessarily as literal as i was representing in that photograph but i am thinking about these things and carrying these things with me all the time because i know the sacrifices that were made both voluntary and not voluntary involuntary continuously mm-hmm. for people like me and other people of color to occupy the space that I'm in right now. Yes. Like a lot of us are carrying that around all the time yeah. and we don't have the safe space to discuss those things. Like that was my entire grad school experience. It's all in all. I mean, a picture is worth a thousand words, huh? <laughs> yeah. And then I remember one of my professors she saw this that so there's this one image where I'm wearing like a green dress and it's really the picture of my back and my partner's like grabbing my arm Mm -hmm. and like it's really this push and pull between you can't really tell is she enjoying it is she scared like I I have chopped iron faces out of it entirely so it's so it's it's not just about us it's not just about mm -hmm, us it's not just that image exactly Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. what i liked about it is obviously there's some modern touches so like the lighting the equipment you know things like that like that's very contemporary even though you can't necessarily place where it's happening Mm. and that's kind of what i wanted because i think that's kind of where the general the generational trauma is happening you can't tell exactly where it's coming from but that doesn't mean that it's not there that doesn't mean that it's not happening Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was, but one of my professors called that terrible moment, a beautiful image. And I knew what she was trying to say. Don't get me wrong. Thank you for the compliment on my work. <laughs> like It's beautiful, it's, but it, also like haunting. And it's yeah. it's not just, I mean, there, that, that just proves your whole point with exactly. black women's abuse being romanticized and exactly. like f- for white enjoyment, like that right mm-hmm. there, you know. And I also just kind of almost had to humor myself in the slightest way. I'm just like, let's say that they were honest about how Black people are being treated. And again, the traumas that are happening to us. They would try to make it seem as if it's the most beautiful thing. I So I read, I read a news article story about, I think it was in January, about these high school kids who did a virtual slave auction through Snapchat. 
<laughs> these Sorry? are children. These are these are these are white children. <laughs> Why? It, it, I mean, you talk about the historical trauma that white people carry. I mean, you're recreating what your ancestors did. You're mm-hmm. like you're you're recreating this for your own entertainment, and you're you're a child doing that. You're a child doing that. You're our future, whatever the hell they be saying. <laughs> exactly. Children are our future. Exactly. In January, as in last month. Yeah. This is recent. <laughs> oh this is you, and it's like, what happened to 2020? What happened to Black Lives Matter 2020? Everybody was acting like they was here for black people. And <laughs> Two years, two years later, I don't really see that many Black Lives Matter signs no more. Mm. It's not, it's not trending. It's, it's not, not trending. trending. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. It is not trending. Yeah. So until we become, until that hashtag pops up again on Twitter and everything, it's not, it's not important anymore. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. They also, I found some site that was was auctioning off nfts of black people and it was like a slave auction Ooh. is this not get out like in all of these yeah. scenarios <laughs> and it's so bad that we're laughing but it's like what else can you yeah, do it's true yeah what that is can, true what else can you do because like it's not funny but it, i think i even said this in one of my talks it's like you know what we crack jokes about the stupid shit and the racist shit that y'all do all the time and that is a form of coping and survival yes. and that's ridiculous yeah that yeah. is ridiculous but i'm just like if you don't it's gonna eat you up yeah like how terrifying is it to think that like we have children <laughs> on snapchat auctioning off niggas in 2020 their own classmates and then like if you if you don't have them on snapchat you would have no idea and you go back to class and you talk to these people you sit next to these people you know you go on with your everyday life and you have no idea how they truly feel about you you have no idea what's going on in their head you have no idea what their parents are teaching them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah I, i know what we're being taught and it's basically to continue to conform to white needs. And I'm exhausted. I'm very that. over it. You can say that again. I'm yes. very over it. Yeah. Well, okay. Tell me the significance of using your partner in these in these photographs. So I know I kind of already touched on like how heavy that subject top you know that topic in my research was and I was carrying that burden around with me and then it started off as simple as like well do you want someone else to do it to me I mean honestly like I can I can put up an ad and ask if anybody wants to volunteer I mean we are at UA and they love ignorance they might they might do it. <laughs> they, might, they might do it um but also I do think it really helped me be vulnerable with him mm. because you know with us being in an interracial relationship it's really hard for me to be doing the research that I'm doing and just in my head thinking like damn white people except you you good you good. you know it, it, I can't keep doing that I can't keep protecting him and making him feel better mm. and so I think it was important 
one for me to feel safe because like that's why I, I put myself in it is because I didn't want to re-victimize anybody else um like I didn't want to recreate the same thing that I'm supposed to be critiquing you know I wanted if I'm gonna do some, if I'm gonna critique it I wanted it to be myself at first before I drag someone else into the research and once I kind of explained that to him I think he kind of realized that he had to do it too in order to fully understand what it was that I was going through and what I was trying to say. And I think it's been hard on him. Mm-hmm. He's had a really hard time with it. Like there would be times where he was just like, hey, I need a break. Cause like it's getting to him emotionally to grab me like that, mm-hmm. to think how anyone can do that to another human being, but especially to, to someone you're supposed to care about. Because, you know, they love to act like that, you know, that was a relationship. They love to act like this was, you know, supposed to be like a, you know, like we agreed upon this type thing, you know. You deserved it. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know, completely disregarding that there there was no choice for any of them. And I think, I don't know, I think for him it was... It was very hard, like I said, but I also think that it was important for him to kind of realize that the power that he has, unfortunately, like I hate to use that word, but as a heterosexual white male, you will always have power here. You know, like even revisiting, I was doing research from the 1840s, to 1860s, and his position didn't change. He still was in this powerful position and like this level of knowing that like I could have did this during this time and I would be fine like nothing nothing would have happened to me I can do it today and nothing would happen to me and I think it was important for us to kind of get past those things because like I said I'm carrying this around all the time and so it's hard to not be like violently angry even in my own house and I'm living with someone whose whose ancestors probably did terrible things and I don't know to who but it it doesn't matter you know it it didn't matter and I think it provided a really hard but deep and powerful conversation that we needed to have in order for our relationship to progress because I think that was something that we were facing too is like the fetish that I think white people are having with dating really anybody ethnic to be honest with you but um I don't want to say it validated our relationship, at least not for others. It did for us because I knew that like he was serious about me and he was willing to learn more about me, no matter how dis- how much discomfort. As an was. artist. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't even know if I answered your question. Did you I? did. You did. You gave me more than I asked for. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, that that just like you're you're demonstrating how, you know, you're using photography to capture trauma and work through trauma that you still live with every day. And it's very I mean, you you when I think about your your family archive concepts like you you're placing yourself. This is your archive. Mm-hmm. You know, you're placing yourself in the archive and documenting it for gen- like the generations after you to to mm-hmm. see like 
this is how this person was working through this, you know, because yeah. there's no it's no telling what it's going to be like when we gone. <laughs> no telling. I pray for I pray for the little kids I, every day that I don't exist. I don't think it's going to get better. I don't think it's going to get better because it's like it's gotten worse for each generation. If you think about it, it's gotten worse for each generation in terms of everything, like the earth about to catch on fire or whatever and all the shit that's going on in space. <laughs> yeah. 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 What a sad life. That's what I've said. That's why we, that's why we create art. That's why we, we create we got documented some kind of way because apparently they won't do it for us so <laughs> yeah that's another thing yeah it's it's like a deeply historical project that you're doing and it's like a you're gonna be doing this for i assume like it's like a lifelong project i, I sure hope so since i'll always be black and uh, i'll probably <laughs> always struggle and um like i said i don't see shit getting better anytime soon yeah and you know, I can only imagine what's going to happen like, as I have kids and as I continue to <laughs> apparently work at PWIs. Like, that, that's another exhausting topic in itself. Uh, I actually have a question for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember the, the wording again off the top of my head. But anyway, I recently read up um, on an article about Zanella Muholi. She's a South African photographer. I don't know if you remember reading her in my paper. No. no. Um, but she does photography. Um, it's called Faces and Phases, and it's revolving around um, the LGBTQ plus community. And um, I think I want to say they're all survivors of hate crimes, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she used this term feminine masculinity and it reminded me of one of your might have, maybe it's your hundredth episode oh you the organ look genderless shopping that, yeah 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 um and so you were also talking about your class and how you wanted to kind of pull those things or kind of have deeper conversations about those things to your class did did that did that happen? Did it go well? Or are you still trying to squeeze that in? How's it going? Also, can you talk a little bit more about what that actually is? Okay. I'll answer the first question. That sounds good. Um so okay. It so I so for me to go there with the type of course that I teach, I'm just an assistant. Mm-hmm. I'm not the lead professor. I'm teaching someone else's materials that I don't necessarily agree with that don't really give context for the films. So in order for me to give context to these films and to ha- to, to go to those places of talking about, you know, race and, and sexuality and gender and all those things, that's, that's, it requires me to like put it together myself. Mm-hmm. And there were some days that I've had enough energy to like go there but most days I just didn't feel like going there. Mm-hmm. So it's like, in, instead of the way that I protected myself, because I really don't think I should be teaching this class <laughs> um, because um, just because, just because I don't think that these students are really learning 
but like we're we're talking we're watching these very historical films that deal with certain racial issues and like they're not getting getting materials from the textbook that that we use for this class they're not getting the Per, they're not getting a good perspective on how to think about this film like outside of a white perspective and to think about it more deeper and so it's like I can sometimes I went there like like there was this 1918 film called The Cheat or no I think it was 1915 so it was called The Cheat it starred this um Asian American man who became like a sex symbol in this time period for portraying this um role of this Asian villain who um, stole this white woman. Like that's literally the plot of, of, of this film. And it was very, it's a very historical film. Um, it launched his career. Like I say, he became a sex symbol and it came out in the same year as Birth of the Nation. And so it was really interesting that instead of watching Birth of a Nation, because I remember him saying that he's shown that film and probably didn't put it in context for the students. Anyway, um, he, um, he showed that film. So he showed the cheat and I was like, I was like, okay, this might be the place that I can go because I don't want them to leave this class without hearing the, this context that about the sexualization of people of color. Like that's what the topic was about. I didn't put it in those terms. But I word I, I I feel like the way that I pose these things to them is like, look at how this industry, this Hollywood industry is um, taking using people of color and then taking up their image or, or whatever and making it into their own kind of fantasy. That's literally what what's happened. And so it, it led me into. Anna Mae Wong, who was a silent film actress, uh, actress um, uh, I believe, she, I don't know if she was Chinese or I'm not sure, but she was, um, she was a very well-regarded actress in the silent film era. And she just never got opportunities because the producers would choose a white woman to portray a Chinese woman versus an actual Chinese woman. Mm-hmm. they would they would choose like a blonde white woman to betray that role but it's like we understand that injustice there but it's like what what do we say of the actress the white actress that is okay with portraying this role like and it just brings me back to how white people commodify blackness in general and i see them kids doing it too so it's like so it's like y'all coming into my space it's a black ass space you're going to act right. You're going to say hello when I speak to you because they act like they don't want to say hello sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're going to learn when I want to teach you. <laughs> so yeah. this whole, that whole lecture that I did, that was the only lecture that I did. The rest of the time, I just chatted with them about their classes because that was another part of my teaching. It's like, you know what? I don't really think y'all, I don't really think y'all need to talk about these films because I don't want to talk about them. What's going on with you? Like, and then it's just (laughs) talking to them about what's going on in their classes and stuff, because we're talking about, you know, our, our affiliations to the university. And it's like, 
universities they really like explore student labor like just yes. in many in many ways and i don't think like people really notice it or like but it, that's what it is it's like they're they explored our labor and it's like that's what i'm doing to conserve my labor as a graduate student like i already have to write a fucking book a dissertation i already i have to teach I have to do mm. all this other stuff, meet with people, all this other stuff. And then I have my own life that, <laughs> you know, so it's like, it, it's like a lot of stuff thrown at you. And it's like, mm -hmm. to protect myself, I was like, okay, I want to check in with them because it's like, if I was in their shoes, I would want to have somebody that would check in with me on yeah. like how I'm working through this shit. Cause we're still in a pandemic and yep. shit is acting like, is normal <laughs> yeah. so as as far as like me going there like it, it i went there in that class because i had students of color in that class okay. so so i i didn't want to miss an opportunity to leave space for us to go there and when i did that they were more comfortable like talking about like what I had two girls that were that were very proud lesbians in my class and they made jokes about being a lesbian in front of the whole class and I was like I was like yeah like like they're very comfortable talking about these things in, in front of me like we were talking about football players and she was like yeah like even though like I'm full-blown lesbian like I was like swooning over them and I was like <laughs> I was like you know what me too <laughs> But it's like I can't have those conversations with them because it's like I look at it now as like trying to build a relationship with them because there's nothing yeah. I can teach you because I'm not this is my class it's yeah. not my class yeah I wanted to know more about yeah the, fem the what feminine masculinity yeah yeah um let me flip no she that's what she said she said feminine masculinity feminine masculinity yeah that is uh, um I think it is a concept I kind of explore, like trying to, because it's like, I know for sure that I identify as male mm -hmm. and it's like, but it's like, I, some days I want to present more feminine. So okay. like, I like wearing like little, little, you know how dudes like, they like to wear the big chains. I'm just like, no, let me wear something like small. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like, kind of like that. And, um, yeah, just kind of like it's just me playing with my gender expression. And mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know. It's like I feel like there's so like in terms of black masculinity, there's like very few images of mm -hmm. like very, very few different kinds of what that masculinity we get. The yeah, the most I think just well known, well documented kind of black masculinity we get is just like the chiseled muscular like mandingo figure almost and i think huh of thugs the or thugs and yeah, so but but it's like so like the image of the thug it's like aesthetically it's pleasing to me because this is something that i remember seeing when i was a queer child in mm -hmm. 2006 2005 listening to this kind of music and now that i'm older i recognize it as beauty i mean you were talking about your work deals with beauty my work kind of deals with beauty too where it's mm -hmm. like so for example the image of the thug i'm like okay how do i do a queer interpretation 
a queer femme interpretation of the thug and how do I another another part of it, it, it that I've been discovering through just listening to rap music from that time period it's like these men these thugs that are boasting about this gangster persona they're really really traumatized yep. like and this is the way that they choose to talk about it or this is the way that the, their music they this is the way they let it out and it also is let out through the way that they present themselves like that mm-hmm. them them presenting themselves is their gender presentation and it's like I see myself in that kind of like more I guess masculine image but it's like I also have just a feminine kind of flair to it that I like to add that I are that I kind of see present already in that kind of like thug image I mean that's the way that I interpret it just as a queer viewer though yeah so I guess that was kind of where you know I guess I was interested in what's your interpretation of what that phrase would be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something that I do, something that I try to do with photography, that, that's one way of, of, of exploring it, is like trying to take on those masculine images and just like add my own flair to it. And I kind mm-hmm. of, I really see my, my inner child when I, as, as my adults, as me documenting myself, it's like me kind of like seeing my inner child within that. Um, I also like, like, like I love, I have, I, I, I kind of stand a few like white actresses. So like RG Hepburn, I love her style and fashion. And so it's like one day I want to do like a RG Hepburn look, but it's just going to be like, just like a, instead of like a updo, I'm just gonna have like a do rag, and then just some kind of like, I don't know. I'm trying to experiment. I don't know if it'll be like a jumpsuit or something, but it's just kind of like to play with that masculinity a little bit, because because it's like instead of me instead of me going through the effort of trying to make myself look like this white woman, I'm a look like I'm a I'm a I'm a show you that I'm referencing this white woman, but I'm a nigga. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's how I look at it. <laughs> what advice would you give to a young creative or a person who has always been creative but just has not felt like they had the resources or they mm-hmm. felt like they had to do it when they were younger, they feel like it's too late. Like what do you and then and then like you know, they, we have jobs. We got to pay rent. I got to pay my rent. I'm, I'm <laughs> I got to pay my rent today. Um, we, uh, it's like, how, what, what, what advice do you have to people that are like trying to get through the struggle mm-hmm. and also like really needing that creativity? Cause what, what we've been talking about is, you know, we talked about our, our fucking job <laughs> with our, our, in higher ed institution, but we're also talking about our art. And Black, I really feel like Black creativity, that's what's going to save us. So it's yeah. like, what if, I, I've been rambling, but what advice do you have for those creatives that are just now getting started or are struggling to start? For the people, especially who are struggling to get started, I think there's this, and there's this fear of the unknown and then this 
uncomfortableness with being vulnerable or being exposed and things like that. Cause you know, that's part of being a creator too. It's like that you're documenting potentially a, a struggle, a hard time for you. Mm-hmm. Like you are putting it and almost as concrete evidence that you are facing some sort of turmoil in internal struggle and nobody wants to be viewed as weak and that's not weakness. Um, also being creative it doesn't have to be for anybody else but for you like if that's the fear as far as like, well, what will other people think it, it doesn't matter because it's not for them it's for you and somebody else may never ever see your creativity it might be you know you recording having a conversation with yourself because in a way that's spoken word you know like it might just be you you know at least letting it out in some way and there are different ways to be creative. It may not necessarily be, you know, my way where I'm photographing and I photograph because I don't, I'm not good with words. That was my choice of medium. Um, But, you know, you do spoken word and you are great with words and that's your way of a creative outlet amongst other things, you know, find what fits whatever you need. And there will be seasons where that need might be very different. And, you know, it's okay if it changes it's okay if it's not perfect and it's okay if nobody likes it or ever sees it like the whole purpose is you documenting your presence Mm -hmm. you documenting you getting through it and you just you existed you were human you had human experiences and human emotions and that's very important you have to create for yourself what makes it beautiful is when someone else can relate to it when mm. someone else can see themselves within your work because then there's that again that's that vis- visibility that you may be needed or maybe you didn't need it from somebody else but they needed that that that's the beauty of artists and creators that we don't appreciate ourselves enough for doing because i think that's another thing that like makes being a creator hard is like sometimes the only person that needs to see you is yourself you don't need the validation or anything but like I don't know you just have to take it one step at a time and you have to figure out what works for you like you can't you can't (laughs) you have enough pressure on yourself with everything else Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that's the last thing you need is someone trying to tell you how to express yourself telling you like don't do it this don't do it like this do it this way mm-hmm. that, that, that's pointless it's exhausting don't exhaust yourself for people this is the one thing you can control <laughs> this is the one thing you can control <laughs> the one thing the one thing <laughs> don't get greedy i'm gonna say that don't get greedy but, uh... <laughs> we deserve to get greedy <laughs> Right. <laughs> I want you to get greedy, but you know, one step at a time. Yeah, true. What about for people that like aren't affiliated with universities? Like, how would you encourage them to, you know, express their creativity if they want to, if they feel the need to? Um, I don't, yeah, it definitely doesn't have to be through a university. It might even just you can being comfortable in your own space and occupying space. And I think it's nice because you can kind of customize that however mm-hmm. you need it to. So whether that is through your clothes, whether it is through, you know, writing and reading and again, just talking those things out. Like, I think a lot of people have kind of 
are struggling with that, but are starting to find figure out other ways to do. I think that's why we always have that listen to my mixtape ass niggas, because like that's them expressing themselves because that's what works for them. I'm one of those niggas. Exactly. Like <laughs> we will never get rid of them and their space for them and they're figuring out what works for them. Um, but it also might be that kid that's like, you're really bright today. You're really bright today. Hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I'm thinking about one of my summer camp kids and he was always bright. That's good. Bright I know I I remember <laughs> I remember working um with kids and there was there was this like this kid who will always come in with cowboy boots and his hair slipped back. He was like six. He looked so he looked fresh. He always came in fresh. And all the all the all the like male parents always like just felt uncomfortable around mm-hmm. him. And I'm like, he's a kid. Like why how why do you feel uncomfortable around this kid who looks more stylish than you? <laughs> That's what's making them uncomfortable. They're not comfortable with themselves. Damn. Yeah. The six-year-old yeah. has figured it out. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I think um oh, college. College is borderline a scam anyway. So I mean, you don't it have is. to That's true. You can teach us, I mean, literally. I've taught myself the stuff that I'm getting the, the that I got my degrees at. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. I I, in, I needed to have this convo with you today, and yes. I you hope you much. have I hope you have a, a great a, a very black Black History Month. <laughs>